0: You need a plan. You got to have a plan. But uh, what's the famous Mike Tyson quote? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yep. So, so definitely want to want to have a plan because uh, not having one is uh, is going to make that punch hurt a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, it's very important for organizations to uh, to to have an incident response plan. And along with an incident response plans, they need to have something called a playbook or a runbook. You'll you'll see those kind of used interchangeably. And so the incident response plan is going to be what uh, kind of defining the the roles uh, that that everybody assumes in the event of, of a disaster or, or an event, a uh, cybersecurity event. And then the playbooks is going to kind of be the modifiers. You can think of that as, um, so we have the players, we've defined who the players are, then we have our playbook and our playbook is going to say, um, here's what we do in the case of ransomware. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do in the case of, uh, you know, a, a a breach in, in our, you know, our water treatment facility. Um, and so it's very important to have both an incident response
1: plan and a playbook. You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma, hosted by OMAG Director of Technology Services, Kevin Seasock.
2: This is Kevin Seesok, and you are listening to the OMAG All Access Podcast. With me today, I have uh, Travis Cleek and Casey Davis from Skyhelm Technologies. Uh, Guys, I'll give you a second to introduce yourselves, but today our plan is to discuss what happens during a a cyber breach, a cyber incident, and uh, I've got a bunch of questions. Uh, I know our members are going to need answers to all of these, but let me give you guys an opportunity to introduce yourselves and tell us uh, a little bit about yourselves, your expertise, where you're coming to us from.
0: (laughs) All right, I'll go first. So uh, my name is Travis Cleek. I'm the Chief Solutions Officer over at Skyhelm. I've got about 17 years of IT experience. Most of that has been in uh, IT management. I actually used to work at a utility, and uh, and before that, I worked at a large manufacturing facility, and then before that, I worked ran the help desk at uh, a large university uh, here in Oklahoma. So a lot of different roles. Uh, definitely have a lot of experience in uh, in in the IT side, and I do. I do really enjoy uh, getting to uh, talk about these things. It's, it's one of my passions. But having been through uh, cyber attacks, I've, I've gotten uh, I've gotten a taste of how important it is to have these plans and, and everything in place. Mm,
3: yeah. Yep. Uh, quick bit about me: I'm I'm Casey, and I'm one of the partners here at Skyhelm with uh, Travis and team. And uh, I'm a certified ethical hacker and have a Fortinet NSC five certification in network and malware analysis. Work wise, I never worked for a city, but uh, I worked in higher ed in IT and networking, uh, as well as manufacturing and a number of years at an electric utility. Here at Skyhelm, I'm the lead developer of our Titan security platform, as well as one of our principal security reachers and pen testers.
2: So tell me a little bit about Skyhelm Technologies. Yeah, so Skyhelm is
0: a organization that focuses on critical infrastructure. So electric utilities, water utilities, police communications, uh, ports of authority. If it has to do with critical infrastructure, that's that's what we work on. We've been around since 2014 and we, we mainly focus on we have a consulting side and then we have a solution side uh, the consulting side works on high end uh, high end networking uh, servers support stuff, stuff that really helps helps an organization with solving those critical infrastructure challenges and then on the other side uh, we do a lot more stuff that focuses on the OT security, uh, I, ICS, OT, SCADA. You're, you'll kind of hear those, <laughs> those words all kind of meshed together.
2: And for our uh, listeners out there, OT, operational technology, SCADA, this is this is going to be your water treatment plant IT, your connected systems for managing um, water treatment, wastewater treatment, electrical, natural gas even. So it may be pertinent to quite a few of our members, even if you don't realize it. Oh, absolutely well thank you guys and and obviously uh the topic of the day uh can't turn on the news these days without hearing something scary so we're starting to hear more and more in our cities and towns about breaches and and you know the vast majority are going to be ransomware obviously and uh but you know we we have other concerns as well with critical infrastructure and i i think we're going to talk in a later episode the three of us about kind of what this means is cybersecurity for critical infrastructure but you know, the first question we always get from our members is, what do we do? Uh, what, what's the basics? What, you know, what are the fundamentals? You can't learn to dunk before you can do a layup. So, you know, from our vantage point here today, I think the the best thing that we can do to help educate our members is talk about planning for a breach, uh, just talking about, you know, what happens when you get uh, to that point where you've recognized, oh, no, we've got, you know, we've got a ransomware on one of our PCs now. I've got to throw this out there. I know you guys will too. Everybody we talk about says the same thing: an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. And for all of our members, that's you know, <laughs> that's kind of the Omag way. We're you know the reason why we're doing this podcast is trying to get people to think about uh, those things ahead of time. But it's always interesting to know, you know, okay. Sometimes, no matter how much prevention you put in, the bad thing still happens. That's why Omag does insurance. So, you know, from your vantage point, I'm curious what, uh, tell us a little bit about this breach process. Tell us a little bit about the, the response process that you guys go through with, uh, with some of your clients. Certainly.
0: And, and, uh, to reiterate <coughs> the point you just made, you need a plan. You got to have a plan, but, uh, what's the famous Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the <laughs> face. <laughs> yep. So, so definitely want to want to have a plan because, uh, not having one is, uh, is going to make that punch hurt a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, it's very important for organizations to uh, to have an incident response plan, and along with an incident response plans, they need to have something called a playbook or a runbook. You'll you'll see those kind of used interchangeably. And so the incident response plan is going to be what uh, kind of defining the the roles uh, that that everybody assumes in the event of of a disaster or or an event a uh, cybersecurity event, and then the playbooks is going to kind of be the modifiers. You can think of that as So we have the players, we've defined who the players are, then we have our playbook. And our playbook is going to say, here's what we do in the case of ransomware. Here's Mm -hmm. what we do in the case of breach in in our, you know, our water treatment facility. Um, And so it's very important to have both an incident response plan and a playbook.
2: Now, I'll I'll tell you right now, we see a lot of situations where uh, cities and towns have to be kind of reactive. I mean, everybody's busy, you know, can't always get all the staff we want. You know, it's a a situation where planning for the the worst case scenario can be tough. And of course, every one of us has kind of had to think through that over the last 18 months for, I don't know, one reason or another. But you know, the idea that, that we're able to put pen to paper and put these plans together, do these have to be, you know, 400 pages long for the tiniest of cities? Or is there, you know, is there something where it's just like jot down a few notes, write down a couple of phone numbers to call? Is there a starting point that we can give?
0: Yeah, so uh, you, you'll find a lot of templates online and, and the templates are great. Uh, definitely, definitely a good place to start. But, you know, what you'll realize is is these are these are usually templates for large, large corporations. Yeah.
2: Fortune 500, it's- which, you know, I mean, probably isn't going to work for say Bochito. Obama. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and it's imagining you have this, this large IT team, you know, made up of 15, 20 people. And, and in reality, there's, unless you're one of those, those large corporations, that's just not the case. And so what you'll find out is as you're filling out one of these incident response plans, you're going to have somebody who's filling multiple roles. Uh, you know, this person is, is both the law enforcement liaison, but he's also, you know, he's also the coordinator of the incident response team. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's important to have those roles and have them defined so that people aren't stepping on each other's toes. But definitely don't, you know, don't plan on having to divide up every single role to a different person because you're just not going to have enough people more than likely.
2: And I would say part of it is just even saying, yes, in the event that this happens, this person is your primary person in charge. Because when you're just kind of standing around going, well, what do we do? Who, who makes a decision? That can take up valuable time right there.
0: Yeah. And one one of the biggest mistakes that you'll see people make during a breach is not having that single source of truth, especially when it comes to communicating to maybe the press or, mm. or to people inside your city.
2: Yeah. When the newspaper comes in saying, OK, what happened? You know, then then if you don't have a plan, you've already failed.
0: Yeah. You'll you'll get one person saying one thing and and one person saying another. There's a famous quote by Arthur C. Clarke, and it's that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. Love that quote. But there's a, a famous cryptographer or maybe I should say infamous who said sufficiently advanced incompetence is indistinguishable from malice
2: <laughs> and that's a good one
0: <laughs> and when you mess up uh, especially around the communications and you start telling your your people in cities or or, or the press different things mm. they think you're lying or or they think you're trying to hide something or they think
2: and you're not especially with cyber events because these are complex and and confusing and the information you may have in an hour is much more complete or even different than what you had an hour ago. So I I, I love horror stories and, and uh, um, you know, chances to kind of share, you know, lessons learned from others. So what, what's the biggest mistake people make during a breach? So outside
0: of not having an incident
2: response, sure. (laughs)
0: Because if you don't have one of those, that that's a pretty big mistake. You'll see a lot of people who will try to take on too much as one role. And, and they just can't get it done. And so I would say the biggest mistake that they make is not practicing their incident response plan. And, and that looks like t- doing tabletop exercises where you say, okay, here's the scenario. We've had this, go. What, what's the first step? Who's doing what? Who's calling who? And, and w- when you do those exercises, you'll kind of work through it and go, well, you know, you can't do that because you're also doing this over here. And, and then yeah. you go, well, it looked good on paper.
2: Well, and, and and this shouldn't be, you know, you know, all of that far afield for our members because, I mean, theoretically, they've been doing, you know, basic emergency management, desktop exercises and and tabletops. They should be doing structured walkthroughs on disaster recovery and, and, and not even necessarily just the IT side, but how do city operations continue? So having one of those exercises that's focused on, okay, you had ransomware hit every computer in city hall, which... You know, in some of our smaller cities and towns may not be that many, but, you know, we have seen situations where it's taken down a city hall during the week when, Utility bills have to go out and payroll is due. I mean, you're you're trying to figure out it's and you're a couple of weeks from Christmas and it's like people need their paycheck and the city's got no money coming in. What do you do? And it's never convenient. No, it's never convenient. But I mean, I'm not making that scenario up. That's actually happened in our cities and towns. And and the idea that you're scrambling around, running around trying to figure out, you know, do you issue checks on paper? Do you call the bank? Do you get help from them? You know, too late to have actually practiced one of those. You're in the practice right then and there.
1: Omag All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast for your time. We would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of Omag All Access Bluetooth headphones. To winner, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org/forward/slash/all/access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is cyber. Follow the directions on the giveaway page, and you will be entered. Good luck.
3: i say the biggest mistake, too, is also hesitation in, in taking action. You know, I've seen it happen where they get, you know, oh, man, that computer's got the malware. Oh, let's wait and see if it goes away. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and, and attack it <laughs> yeah. and, and respond. I, wow. Uh, wow and I, don't let I, it spread.
0: I, <laughs> and, and NIST actually has some guidelines there. It's the NIST uh, computer, computer Security Incident Handling Guide. Now, that's not going to write your incident response for you, but, but it does does help you uh, kind of think about what, what that's going to be and how to handle that incident as it comes in, especially when writing playbooks. Mm-hmm. But one of the things it's going to do is it's going to talk about declaring a cyber incident. How do you know when to declare one? Who's who's the people who do that? You know, you think of an incident happening and then somebody's going to be reporting that. It's usually going to be an employee it, it might be, you know, some security tool that you have. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a, a 24-7 SOC like Skyhelm that, <laughs> that uh, you know, has called and said, hey, we, we see something going on. So that's going to be uh, going to the cyber incident manager. That cyber incident response manager is going to look at that, go, is going to have a first response team. That first response team can be as simple as two people. One person to say, here's what we have, and, and usually an IT support person to say, okay, I confirm that that's what we're seeing, and then you do a short little initial investigation, just more of a verification, and then you need to declare what that event is. And inside that NIST computer uh, security incident handling guide, there's actually some some guidelines on uh, how to how to declare to what level an event is. So is mm-hmm. you know, this low, medium, high? type of event yeah you know it, it has some good criteria there to to help you make those kind of decisions and
2: and that's always a good point too i mean you know it, there's no need to overcomplicate. you know oh well it's this green orange blue you know it's small medium large use t-shirt sizing and and you know err on the side of uh, conservative if it's medium large then it's large and get after it and call everybody you you think you need to call you know and and i would also remind our members to call omag as well because we are your cyber insurer and while i don't necessarily think we need to be the first call we certainly need to be probably in the top five and of course law enforcement that's a that's an aspect as well generally speaking they're right next door sometimes in the same building <laughs> get them involved and at the very least they can you know that, that should probably be your first call it definitely
0: is 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 going to be you know probably your first call but it is important to define you know with your leadership to know what is that call order because mm-hmm. uh, it may not be the same for every organization some people you know some people may have uh, may have want to talk to the gas provider of their of their utility right. um, to let them know hey we've, we've got something going on you need to know it and then their next call may be law enforcement yeah. so it,
2: yeah shut off the gas first right right yeah
0: <laughs> But it, but it's important to uh, you, you're going to have some of these some of these phone calls are, are, are going to be in opposition to maybe the objectives that you have and and I'll use law enforcement as an example law enforcement their goals are different than your goals their goals are to catch a bad guy mm-hmm. your goals are to get things back up and running right and so they're going to follow standard evidentiary uh, you know collection procedures that need to take place for cyber incidents
2: which tends to be a lot slower than the bring stuff back online and and get it running again exactly you yeah. may not you may
0: not have three hours to to take a full backup of a server before you restore it
2: right and and so you don't want to be
0: caught trying to call you know call your legal counsel or or call your your your, your you know city manager to say uh, hey law enforcement wants us to do this what, what do
2: you want me to do right? So having that plan ahead of time, doing that practice is, is critical for those reasons. So what what's the best breach response you guys have seen? What what's what should we be aspiring to?
0: So the best breach response was probably uh, was probably actually an Oklahoma generation and transmission facility okay. who they had their incident response plan in place. They've run these exercises. they they've done all that. They had an incident and an employee reported it and their incident response manager quickly spun up the team. They looked at what was going on and they were able to say, "Okay, this is a this is a medium event. These are the right people to contact. Let's get them all on the phone." They had a separate conference bridge because their communications were down and and they hmm. thought of that ahead of time as part of their their nice. playbook <laughs>
2: their,
0: their their scenario testing. They all jumped on a third-party conference bridge uh, with their personal cell phones and they also had a list, an offline list because their file shares were down, <laughs> and uh, they were able to, you know, pull this paper list up, call each other's cell phones. Hey, we have an incident. Hop on the bridge. They all got on this bridge, and then they were able to plan very smoothly what was happening. They also had, you know, they had proper backups. They were able to get everything restored in in what was essentially a day and a half.
2: Nice. That's a that's a good story. Hopefully, that's an inspiring story too. <laughs>
3: yeah, and I'd say the first part of that uh, sp- uh, thing you were saying was uh, the employee called and reported the incident. That has got to be key. You have to you know, teach your employees. They're the ones that are going to see the incident, especially if it's going to be uh, ransomware on their computer. Uh, so that's the first bit is training each employee. There's really like five steps that they probably need to do. First thing, if they see something bad on their computer, they probably should disconnect the network cable. Yeah. First step. Uh, step two, leave it powered up. And don't close it down because we uh, the IT guy needs to get in there and look at it. Step three would be to write down any messages that appear on it What's it telling you to do? We, we, can, start a, to, we can start to take a photo to, with the phone. Photo. Yeah. yeah, we can start to identify what uh, what ransomware it is. Also, because you might forget later, write down any actions you took. What were you doing exactly? Oh, I was checking my email. I got this kind of email. I was doing this, and then next step, report it to your your IT person. That's Follow good. up with your investigation team, like like mentioned there. And
0: and I want to touch on one of the things you said there, Casey. Documentation of, of evidence as you go along. That's that's huge. Documenting everything as you go. It's it's you know, you're, you might be up for a day and a half. You may be up for two days. You know, this is going to be very fuzzy if you try to go back later and, yeah. and, and recall details. So just having a piece of paper and jotting down, you know, you're going to be calling all sorts of people, all sorts, you know, and, and so getting their name and title as you go and, you know, what you've given them access to, what they're helping with, what their roles are, getting, uh, you know, documenting uh, what access there is before you went and changed it. Definitely time and dates of every, you know, everything you do as, as you go along all, of, all of that can play a huge role later in in the forensics and and helping to figure out what exactly happened and 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 even in, in recovery operations
3: okay and yeah. i say you guys can't see my screen here but i have a, a thing that is printed is one of our customers has this printed on the side of every one of their computers uh. Step by step, what to do if you see a virus.
0: And that's outlining those uh, those five steps outlining that you just those, mentioned.
3: Those five steps I just mentioned
2: on the actual computer or yeah.
0: on the side uh, of the. They cubicle. got a clue
3: to every every monitor actually. They're that's pretty, convenient. Pretty serious. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: another thing is knowing who to contact when it comes to law enforcement, because uh, especially on a weekend, it can mm. be really hard to get a hold of the right people. So so it helps to do two things: one, to know who to contact, but also to establish those relationships beforehand. Um that that has some other side be, side uh, benefits besides, you know an actual event response, but you know getting to know your your local your local FBI man mm-hmm. um, and invite him out, give him a tour of the facility. he'll he'll make some recommendations. He'll look and say, you know, this this is good. Uh, this is a good firewall right here, or or maybe uh, maybe you guys should be you know changing the locks. These locks aren't aren't very good.
2: Yeah, and for our members, just so you know, the Oklahoma City and Tulsa FBI offices have got some great resources. They're they're real easy to work with. They're eager to help. Now, and I will also say, they always recommend that no matter how small it is, you always report any kind of breach to the Internet Crime Complaint Center. While they won't necessarily be able to do anything about your particular event if it falls under a certain threshold they use that information to help others understand how how big this is getting and those numbers are valuable to them that they help us understand you know how much worse 2021 is versus 2020 and soon to be 2022 is going to be even worse
0: and it's and it's good to be able to reach out to your uh your your local cisa department of homeland security Mm -hmm. uh cisa contact we have a guy uh, it's it's a new position he is the cisa coordinator for for this area and his name is mike jackson very uh very personable guy but he also offers some services to uh utilities they'll do things uh, for free like uh, penetration testing and so they they offer these free services and uh, they'll take a look at what's going on inside your organization and really help you out you know before there's an attack, something that can help you you know announce a prevention, as you said earlier.
2: Yeah. All right, guys, you got anything else uh, our cities and towns need to be doing?
0: Uh, you know when you reach out to these contacts, I think it's important to uh, to make sure that you let law enforcement know who else you've contacted. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying don't call the FBI and Department of Homeland Security. Go ahead, but you know when you call call the Department of Homeland Security, say, hey, I've called the FBI. Here's my case number. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. And and they may say, you know, we're, we're going to look in the, into this too. Or they may say thanks. And, and that's the end of it.
2: One other comment I would offer to our cities and towns. Um, as a municipal government, you have the ability to join for free. A group called the MSISAC, Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Uh, it is also through CISA, the Department of Homeland Security, and through a group called the Center for Internet Security. It's a free service, uh, free group membership. It gets you access to uh, some resources, both free and heavily discounted. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Guys, uh, thank you for joining us. Do, thank you. Uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the advice. Oh, we
1: appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
2: All right. Stay safe out there, everyone.
1: We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access.
2: I did have some resistance and you know, the historical building and the historical train has always been there, uh, come up a time or two. And so it took
3: me several months, but finally the council did see the value in removing that building and removing the train back to the uh, old train depot. And, And so
2: we've cleaned all of it up and now we've got a business looking at us, a restaurant.
1: This episode is copyright OMAG 2021 under the Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives international license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.